0: of Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. That will be our starting point for today as we moving to moving along to several passages of scripture today. I'm going to begin with Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. One of my favorite television programs is The Flash, uh, the superhero show. I know I'm a big dork. Uh, I love uh, comic book heroes. I love Star Wars and I think the older I get, the more I embrace my dorkiness. Uh, it just—it is who I am, and I, I guess the Lord found it uh, appropriate to, to to give me glasses here lately to kind of match my inner dorkiness. But not that those of you all who have glasses are dorks. Don't don't hear me say that. But anyway, one of my favorite shows on television is called The Flash, and in the last episode, one of the uh, the good guys were going through a a, a, a particularly hard time and. One of the, the, the good guys said to the other one, uh, how can you stay so calm in a moment like this? In which the character Joe responded, church. And the other character said, church, I didn't know you went to church. And he said, yeah, I've, I started going to church and it, is, it has helped me because recently the, the priest spoke about faith. And I'm thinking, all right, Joe is going to get on here and testify about his faith in Jesus Christ and how that gives him strength in the difficult times. But the character Joe said, "Yes, faith, you, you believe, you've just got to believe. When you go through hard times, you've got to believe everything is going to be okay." And I said, "Well, you know, that's that's kind of right, but he didn't go far enough for me. You've got to have faith in more than just faith." It's as if Joe was saying, "Yeah, uh, Just believe in your belief and then believe it will be okay. But faith, as we're going to see biblically, is grounded in something or better yet, somebody. And we're going to talk about that next week as we talk about Christ alone. But faith alone. Now, our series is dealing with the Reformation. This movement that began in Europe 500 years ago and how it is vital for us today And in fact, nothing is more important than how you and I can be made right with God. There's no subject more vital or more important than that. And just because the Reformers talked about that 500 years ago doesn't mean it's outdated. That is vital for you and I today. How could I be right with God? And the biblical answer is this. Trust that God's gracious work in Christ Jesus is solely sufficient to save you. You don't need anything else, and you cannot add anything else to Christ's sufficient work for you. And we are called solely to trust in Him. Let me invite you to stand if you're able this morning as we read collectively from Galatians chapter 3 starting at verse 6. Paul writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Even so Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying all the nations will be blessed in you so then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer let's pray together Father God we thank you for this opportunity to gather this morning we thank you for the blessings we have already received Lord through fellowship and through prayer and through giving through music Lord we come expectantly now continuing our worship by allowing your word to speak to us by humbly submitting To your word. Father, give us the faith to trust in you and what you have spoken. And Lord, give us the obedience we need to follow through. But more importantly, Lord, thank you for Jesus and his faithfulness. Thank you for his obedience on our behalf. Lord, we have no other resting place than Christ Jesus. And Lord, we pray as we look in Your Word today that You would open our minds, open our hearts. We pray if anyone within the sound of my voice does not know Christ in a saving way, Lord, that You would save them today. Draw them to saving faith and repentance through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we've been looking at the Reformation and what took place 500 years ago. We've talked about these five Latin phrases that scholars have put together to, to remind us of what was at stake. These five solas in Latin. We've, we've seen how they build upon each other. We talked about Scripture alone and how that shows us that salvation is by grace alone. Today we're looking at sola fide, faith alone. and Faith is our response to God's grace. If God in His grace has provided the way for us to be saved, faith is our response. And even we're going to see today that faith is a gift from God Himself. Our response is faith. And we see, first of all, that faith responds to God's promises. God graciously speaks. And we are called to obey. That is our response. Our obedience is our trust in Him. We see, as Paul talks about in Galatians, that, that Abraham believed God, and in fact, that's what it says back in Genesis chapter 15, verses five and six. He took him outside and said, "Now look to the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them." And he said to him, "So shall your descendants be. Then Abraham believed in the Lord." And he reckoned it to him as righteousness. God spoke. Abraham believed. Abraham trusted God. And because Abraham had faith in what God said, God reckoned it. God counted it to him as righteousness. Being right with God. Just with God. It was faith in the promise of God that led to Abraham being counted righteous. And then... Paul says in Galatians 3, we just looked at it, we are justified in the same way. Abraham was justified by his faith in God's promises. So too are we. Along with Abraham, we are justified. We are right with God by our faith, our trust in what God has said. And how does that faith come to us? Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of Christ. It is the Word that comes to us. It is the Word that works in us. We looked at that two weeks ago. The power of God's Word comes to us and it works in us. It inspires us. It gives us this gift of faith, this gift of trust. It is through the Word of God. Faith responds to God's promises. It's about entering into a covenant relationship. Some 17 years ago, I... Proposed to Nancy and asked her to be my wife asked to, her to enter into this covenant relationship with me and in doing so in essence what I was saying to her is I promise to provide for you I promise to protect you and then she responded to that promise by believing in and trusting in that promise in essence, in some ways, that's what God has done for us. God has given us the promise to provide for us and to protect us. And the promise is made to us. And then we add nothing to that other than just trusting that God is faithful. That God will keep His Word. Faith is a response to God's promise. We enter into this covenant relationship with Him, not by what we do, but based upon what God has done and our trust In Him, faith responds to God's promises. Secondly, faith results in godly practice. In godly practice, let's look at James chapter two, verse seventeen to twenty-six. Faith results in godly practice. Works are not the means of our salvation, but works are the example. Words are the our works are the fruit of our salvation, not the root, but the fruit it's important to get that in the right order James is talking about faith in chapter 2 and first of all he speaks about dead faith verse 17 of James 2 He says, even so faith if it has no works is dead being by itself it's possible to have a faith that is not living but a faith is dead a faith that does not have works that flows from it is dead again verse 26 for just as the body without the spirit is dead so also faith without works is dead We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our efforts. But if we are saved, we are saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. The works, the deeds flow out of saving faith. A dead faith. He also talks about a demonic faith in verse 19. You believe that God is one. You have faith that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. We can have a demonic faith. that We can have all the right knowledge about God in our heads, but not have a heart that trusts and submits to Him. We can believe all the right things. The devil believes Jesus is the Son of God. The devil believes Jesus died on the cross. The devil believes Jesus was raised on the third day. The devil believes these things. But what separates you from Him? It is faith. It is saving faith. It is surrender. It is trust. It is placing ourselves in obedience underneath the truth of God. More than a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge. But what we need is a devoted faith. And and James points to Abraham again. He He is the example of one who believed God. And because he believed God, the works flowed from that. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son? You see that faith was working with his works. As a result of the works, his faith was perfected, completed. Saving faith is what justifies us before God, but saving faith will always have good works along with it. We talked about this in Sunday school a few weeks ago. We mentioned genuine or generic. Some things you can get by with when you buy generic. You can buy the off-brand. The Kroger brand uh, uh, paper towels work wonderfully. You can get by with some things generic, other things you can't. Some people, some people don't like generic brand coffee creamers. We won't mention any names, Jennifer. We heard, yeah, we've heard stories. Hot dogs is one of those things. We, you, you, for some reason, when I'm biting a hot dog, I don't want to have anything crunchy. You know. Some things you can get by with generic. Faith is not one of those things. Faith must be genuine. How do you know you've got a genuine faith if your trust in Christ leads you to Christ-like love towards others and Christ-like behavior in your lifestyle? Faith results in godly practice. Thirdly, faith releases God's power. And this is something that's very popular today. A popular aspect of Christianity is this faith in such a way that if you just believe hard enough everything will happen exactly the way you want it to and people will take verses and take them out of context and make them say something that God never intended for them to say example of that Matthew chapter 17 verses 19 and 20 his disciples came to Jesus privately and said why could we not drive it out there was a a child that was demon possessed and they could not drive out the demon And he said to them because of the littleness of your faith for truly I say to you if you have faith the size of a mustard seed very small you will say to this mountain even though it's huge move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you now some read that and say, well, Jesus said if I just believe hard enough, anything will happen. All i got to do is just name it and claim it. Believe it and it's mine. But what was the context here? Jesus was talking about ministry in His name. He was calling His disciples to, to serve Him, to do kingdom work. Driving the demon out of this child that was possessed. He wasn't talking about Lighting their pocketbooks it wasn't talking about having all the right clothes and the right social status. It had nothing to do with that. It was about serving the Lord. We can serve any way that God has called us to serve by having the littlest of faith. It wasn't about the, the quantity of their faith, it was the quality. That is what the Lord uses to accomplish his work through us I once heard an individual talking about another person that was sick with cancer and a statement was made she doesn't have enough faith to heal herself it's not biblical Christianity it's not what God promises in this it's not always God's will to heal everyone sometimes it is Sometimes it isn't. When it is God's will, faith is what releases His power. Yet, fourthly, faith rests in God's purposes. Even in the face of difficult trials, we are called to have faith and to trust in God. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was arrested on the eve of his crucifixion Jesus said father if you are willing remove this cup from me yet not what I will but yours be done as Jennifer saying so beautifully for us a while ago thy will be done here is Jesus the son of God saying if you can change this situation change it but yet in faith he said not my will be done but yours This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. You think anybody had a larger faith than Jesus? Well, if Jesus had a little more faith, He wouldn't have to go to the cross. Are you kidding me? The circumstance was something that Jesus was not looking forward to. And He prayed if it's possible. In the human sense, if it's possible, take this away from me, but yet... Not my will, but yours be done. To me, that is the greater degree of faith. To me, that is the larger faith of saying, well, if you just believed hard enough, it will change. No, the greater degree of faith is trusting God to do what God is going to do. And trusting that God is God and I am not. And His will is is higher than mine. His will is perfect and mine is not. The Son of God acknowledged God's sovereign will is greater than any human circumstance. Faith rests in God's purposes. A wonderful example of that just this week my conversation with Brother Malcolm despite his diagnosis the faith that he showed. He said, I believe that God can heal me. I believe that God can work through this treatment. I can be one of those one out of every three that is healed. I believe that. He said, but I also believe That God is in control and it may be the Lord's time to call me home. And if He is calling me home, I'm I'm ready to go. Folks, that's faith. That is genuine faith right there. Saying, I believe God can heal me, but even if He doesn't, He's still God. He's still worthy of my praise. And I trust Him to do in my life whatever He so chooses to do. And Malcolm wants to be healed. He wants to come back to church. He wants to continue to serve the Lord. But more than that, he wants God's will to be done in his life, even if it means passing on. That is faith. Faith rests in God's purposes because, I believe, fifthly, faith rejoices in God's plan. Faith rejoices in God's plan. Let's look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. It's sometimes called the Hall of Faith. It takes several Old Testament saints, and, and, and the writer of Hebrews lifts them up as examples for us to follow and to see their faith their trust in God that God spoke and they believed in the word of God they trusted in the promises of God and the reason why I believe our faith can rest in God's purposes because we can rejoice in God's plan our faith looks backwards to what God has done and see that God has been faithful and then our faith looks forward to say there is something else coming I can't see it now, but I know it's coming. I believe it's coming because God said so, and I trust God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. All these died in faith, without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Faith rejoices in God's plan. Faith is not by sight. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6-8. through It says, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body than to be home with the Lord. That was Malcolm's testimony. We have faith in not what is seen because what is seen, Paul says, is temporary our faith is in what is unseen because in what is unseen is eternal so we rest in God's purpose because we rejoice in God's plan went to the eye doctor Friday and had them look at my eyes one last time and the doctor said that there's really nothing else that we need to check no no other tests need to be done I'm in no danger apparently and I praise God for that they did say my left eye was farsighted and my right eye was nearsighted thought that was kind of a strange diagnosis and that's not really a good thing to have physically one eye farsighted and the other eye nearsighted but spiritually I believe that is a good condition to have that we're nearsighted and we see what God is doing in the here and now but we're also farsighted and we can see down the road what God has planned what God has promised and because we are far-sighted, it makes the near-sighted stuff a lot easier to deal with, because we know it's not always going to be this way. Things will not always be as they are now. If you are suffering, if you are hurting, if you are discouraged and disappointed and depressed, understand this: things will not always be this way. A far-sighted faith understands that, and it rejoices in God's plan everything that we have said up to this point now the reformers and those in their time they would have agreed with wholeheartedly there was nothing about what has been said so far that anybody would have disagreed with in the the days of Martin Luther back in the 1500's what was scandalous however was this sixth point here faith alone receives God's provision faith alone receives God's provision. The redemption that awaits us in Christ Jesus, the the salvation that we have through His work for us, it is faith alone that brings those blessings to us. It is faith alone that receives God's provision. Martin Luther, as we have talked about before, struggled with his own sinfulness and struggled with how he could be made right with God and he became a monk hoping and praying that by, by serving God even more, more wholeheartedly in the church that I could somehow feel right with God. But all that did for him is, is brought a greater awareness to him of God's holiness and his sinfulness. And he struggled and he tried and he, and, he, and, he, and he did all of these things that the church was telling him to do. And the church was saying, just do this and say this and give this and God receives you. But he never felt that assurance. He never felt that way. But then, as he was studying to, to teach on the book of Romans... He came across this scripture in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to Jew first and to the Greek. And it says, for because in it, in the gospel, in the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed. And he took that to mean the holiness of God that is so high above the holiness of God that is so unattainable, it's revealed in the Gospel. And Luther said, how is that good news? If God is so holy and righteous and I am not, being reminded of God's righteousness is not a good thing. And it had angered Him. It scared Him to death that I can never attain to God's righteousness. How is that good news that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel? Then he goes on to read, From faith to faith, as it is written, The righteous man, the just, shall live by faith. And then he began to understand that it is not trying to earn God's favor that makes us earn the righteousness of God. It is faith. It is trust in God. It is trust in Christ Jesus. In His person and in His work. It is faith alone that justifies us before God. And he began to understand that the New Testament, even the Old Testament, teaches this. Think about John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him and behaves well enough, that's not what it says, whoever believes in Him shall not perish. They have everlasting life. It is responding to God's loving grace, His loving gift, by trusting in the person and the work of His Son. That's what saves us in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ justified declared right and just declared innocent by God not that we are innocent but we are declared innocent how? by trusting in Christ it is faith alone that does that verse 9 much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him it is faith in the cross of Christ trusting in the cross of Christ his shed blood to justify us before God his sacrificial death not only his death Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 It's faith in the cross. It's faith in the resurrection. Paul says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe, if you have faith in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Believing in our heart that Christ died for us and Christ rose for us, that is what saves us. Trusting in the person and the work of Jesus, not in your own efforts to be good enough. It is not, well, I've got to believe Jesus died for me, but then after that, I've got to somehow keep up the goodness. Because if I don't keep up the goodness, He will not be happy with me, He will not be satisfied with me, and I will no longer be saved. It is trusting in Christ. Faith alone. Add nothing else to the equation. If you add anything else to the equation, you don't have justification in the eyes of God it is faith alone trusting in the promise of God in Christ Jesus Christ completed work for us finally Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 Paul deals with this same thing we talked about this last week with grace but it is also grace and faith for by grace you have been saved through faith and that out of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Being saved through faith is a gift of God. Because you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in our place. It's by the grace of God, it is through faith. Faith is the means that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not as a result of works works are not the means of salvation faith is not as a result of works that no one should boast because somehow you can say well Christ died for me and I believe that but now now I'm a righteous person I'm a good person look at the way I live you begin to receive some of the credit for your salvation right? It's Jesus plus my works. Jesus alone doesn't get the glory in that equation. It's Jesus and me because somehow I am adding to the incomplete work of the cross. That's blasphemy. The the cross of Christ was sufficient. It is finished. It was paid in full. And what we are called to do is to respond to that grace through humble faith and trust that what He did, He did for me and that alone, that alone is my only hope. And we cast ourselves onto the mercy of God and say, Lord, save me by what Jesus did. Nothing more can I add to that. It is an imputed righteousness, a righteousness that is not our own, a righteousness that God gives to us. It's not inherent. We don't somehow start off with with neutrality and somehow become more good than bad. We start off as sinners with a sin nature, enemies with God. And In spite of that, by grace, God sends His Son to die for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It is our union with Christ. We have faith and we have trust that we are declared right by God through faith. And so we see scripturally it is trust that God's gracious work in Christ Jesus. It is that trust that The work of Christ is solely sufficient. It is that trust, that faith that saves you. You are declared right with God by trusting in His work in Christ on your behalf. Several years ago, before Nancy and I got married, she used to babysit her niece, Courtney, and she was uh, about a year and a half. And uh, when she first came over and ever I would come and visit, uh, little Courtney didn't know what to think of me. She was a little scared of me. didn't really like me around too much. I don't know why, you know, but I guess she thought I was a scary looking fella and so for example, we'd sit on the couch and if I were to put my hand over on Nancy, Courtney would come over and pick my hand up and take it <laughs> off of Nancy, like, don't you touch my Aunt Nancy. But over time, I, I slowly began to, to win Courtney over slowly began to, to win her trust. She began to see me not as somebody who was scary, but somebody she could trust. And then before too long, it was, it was all about Todd. You know, if, if she came over and I wasn't there, she'd say, where's Todd? You know, she wanted me around. And that's, and that's, in a similar way, that was the conclusion that Luther came to. He saw God as someone he feared, someone who was holy and righteous and full of wrath, and anger against sin and he saw himself as the chief of sinners and there was no way he could see God or himself any other way because both of those things are biblical but what he was missing was the key ingredient of faith of trusting that God loved him so much he sent his only begotten son and once Luther began to understand that he wrote this statement here that I think sums it up so well he said I felt that I had been born anew and that the gates of heaven had been opened the whole of scripture gained new meaning and from that point on the phrase the justice of God no longer filled me with hatred but rather became unspeakably sweet by virtue of a great love begin to understand that God so loved the world God so loves sinners God so loves you that he gave Christ Jesus for you and that when Christ went to the cross and shed his blood he did that for you and when Christ rose from the grave it demonstrated God was satisfied with that sacrifice for you your response to that is not try to add something to that that's an insult to Christ that's an insult to God to think you could somehow add something to the work of the cross. Your response to that is believe in that, trust in that, surrender your life to that. If you do that, you have the promise of God of your salvation because faith is simple trust in spoken truth. God has spoken. And God's Word, His truth says, we are saved by grace through faith. And your response to that in faith is to trust, simply trust, that God loves you and God took care of your sin problem for you. And then you give yourself to Him in gratitude, in appreciation, in worship, in service, in love and enjoyment. That is the essence of sola fide, faith alone. Let's pray together.